Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is January 4th, 2021. And here with me, as always, is my friend who's working on her vision board for 2021, astrologer April Elliott Kent. Hi, April. Hey, Jen. I'm not really. I've never had a vision board. (laughs) Have you had one? What do you put on them? I did have one at one point, and then I burned it. (laughs) It felt so good. (laughs) Did it? You were liberated from the vision. What I did do for a while, it was I had a Pinterest board that was of things that I really liked. I think it was one year when Venus was retrograde, I started this because I was feeling very anesthetic, like I couldn't get in touch with what I liked. So I started this vision board, I guess, on Pinterest with the things that just bring me pleasure and delight when I look at them. Well, that's excellent. If you were to have a vision board for 2021, Jen, what are a couple of the things you think you might put on it? I would like to see some friends and family that I haven't seen eyeball to eyeball. And let me put you on that list. Perhaps we'll actually meet in person in 2021. (gasps) Jen, would that that be be fantastic? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, I keep hoping to get to Colorado for this conference that's been already put off once Uh and is supposed to happen in August. And that gets me that much closer to Minneapolis. You're about halfway here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's something at that point. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? Mm -hmm. My dream is one day we get to do a live podcast episode. That would be awesome. Wouldn't that be great? Maybe we'll do it from the conference. Exactly. Yeah. This is what I'm thinking. That kind of thing. (laughs) That would be good for this year. And Denver would be a good place to go because I have people there. There you go. Mm -hmm. Well, let's keep that in mind as aspirational. Let's put that on our mutual vision board. Great. I love that. For 2021. I pin it up there right now onto our mutual (laughs) vision board. I like it. Well, we realized we had not given shout outs lately to any of our national days. We like to recognize the national days. Hence my introduction. That's right. This week brings National Vision Board Day, which is the second Saturday in January. And this year is January 9th. But the one that I really liked was on January 10th, Jen, because that is National Save the Eagles Day. (laughs) And you know why I want to celebrate this day. Do you want to tell our listeners about it? Does it have anything to do with me? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know it does. It would seem I am not able to leave the house without either seeing an eagle or hearing something about eagles on the radio. They've been following me around, it seems like. And at one point, I asked my wife, Joni, do you ever see eagles? And she said, no. I've seen one in the zoo. Literally, I've not seen one anywhere else. We do have them here, apparently, Mm -hmm. from time to time. But I haven't seen one, but they're everywhere for you. Well, I'll take it. We're thinking it has to do with Jen's Scorpio planets, and in particular, your Scorpio ascendant, because the eagle is one of the many symbols for Scorpio. It is such a complicated sign. It has to have two or three different symbols for it. Mm -hmm. So we will celebrate saving the eagles. I mean, I'm assuming they mean the bird and not like the eagles. Is that a football team? I believe there are some eagles football teams. So shout out to the (laughs) eagles fans out in the audience as well. There you go. (laughs) I want to say Philadelphia. I don't know. It's not my sport, so I couldn't say. 
Well, a shout out to everybody and welcome to this new year. This is our first podcast that is well and truly in 2021. And we're very excited to be starting this new year with our listeners and bringing you the weekly astrological news. Indeed. Well, how fantastic is that to be doing this for a second year now? It's pretty thrilling. It's great. Pretty thrilling, pal. Yeah. You know, we started in 2019. I mean, it was at the very end of the year, but now it's like, it feels like three years, even though we're in our second year. It's true. Pretty great. Yeah. Well, should we kick it off? We have a long show sheet. We really do. We have a lot to cover, and it begins on January 4th with a conjunction between Mercury and Pluto at 24 degrees and 19 minutes of Capricorn at just about 5 o'clock in the evening hereabouts. Pacific time, that is. Yes, Pacific time. Thank you for that. Of course. Well, when I look at Mercury with Pluto, I think this is really about getting down to it. This is getting down to brass tacks with whatever you're working on. It's about intense focus. It's a good research combination, for instance, if there is something you're wanting to learn more about or really get into the nitty gritty of it. That's a really good aspect for it on January 4th. Which makes me think about Scorpio, actually. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it should. Pluto is the modern ruler of Scorpio. Right, right. So that makes sense. It's a little like having Mercury in Scorpio, I suppose. And it is a good time for getting real about things. Which makes me think of Capricorn, which is where this is. Exactly. Capricorn's a pragmatic sign. I think Mercury together with Pluto is also a very resourceful combination. The thing that I like about Capricorn is it makes me think of that tarot card with the magician. Oh, I wonder what the Fonabelle tarot card for the magician is. I don't know. I think I looked at it. Now I can't remember what it was. We'll have to look that up. Okay. Our first non-imaginary sponsor is Fonabelle Tarot. Of course. Shout out to them. (laughs) Yes. Because it makes me think of the magician card where you have the magician. He has the table in front of him with all the tools of his trade of alchemy and so forth. Yeah, yeah. And I think of that with Capricorn. Capricorn's so resourceful and it can take whatever it has and make something of it. Capricorn is the sign that you put them in a kitchen, you say, you got to get something on the table to eat in 20 minutes. And they will open up the cupboard and they'll see this unlikely array of ingredients and they'll whip something up from it. They can always come up with a solution to things. And so this is a good time for doing that kind of thing. If you are inclined to make a vision board or something of that nature for 2021 or even fine-tuning your resolutions, whatever it might be, this is an excellent aspect for that because you're going to get to the core of what's really important for you for the year. Okay. And the ruler of this would be Saturn because Saturn rules Capricorn, newly in Aquarius. Oh. What does that tell us? Well, it gives a little sousson of innovation. Très bien. (laughs) 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 It just says that there is a little more of a hint of innovation than we would just get with Capricorn. Capricorn's good at just putting the pieces together, but Aquarius puts the pieces together in a way nobody could have foreseen. This is also some long-range planning, too, which is something we associate with Capricorn, but more so even with Aquarius. And we were talking last time about resolutions and about five-year plans and this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And this has maybe a little bit of that spirit with that Aquarian flair. That's a good catch, my friend. Thank you so much. Yeah. Jen, do you know what time it is now? (laughs) What time is it? Moonwatch. Moonwatch. (laughs) Play it. (laughs) 
I think we're losing our flair on our Moonwatch theme here and there. Yes, Moonwatch. This week, we have a last quarter moon on January 6th at 1.37 a.m. Pacific time at 16 degrees and 17 minutes of Libra slash Capricorn. The moon's in Libra, of course, and the sun is in Capricorn. Okay, and what does a last quarter moon tell us? Last quarter moon is about finishing up and looking back and learning from the past and evaluating based on past experience. At both the first and last quarter moons, the sun and moon are square each other. And that is combustion. It's action. It's movement. At the first quarter moon, however, it's a new experience. We don't have the benefit of hindsight and history to help us make a decision. We're just kind of blindly going out saying, I got to do something. I got to initiate some movement here. But by the time we get to the last quarter moon, we've gone through three quarters of the cycle. We've been through the full moon where we see much more clearly what's going on. And at the last quarter moon is the time for looking back and evaluating. How could we possibly have done it a little different? How could we do it a little better next time? It's a little bit of the nature of Capricorn to me. Oh, how so? Well, because you're kind of learning from the past. And you are using that information to inform your future trajectory. And it's very much a part of the cycle where we still are called to act, but it's based on a lot more information. And we say, well, maybe I'm not going to get exactly where I hoped to get in this cycle, but I'm still going to give it my all to the very end. I'm going to get done what I can get done. And then as I'm moving towards the next new cycle, the next new moon, I'll have better information and experience to guide me. This, of course, is a call back to a new moon. If we look at the lunar phase families, you were telling me about this lunar phase family before we started to record. I was because I have been actually tracking this lunar phase family because it started in October of 2018 on the Sabian symbol for 16 Libra, a boat landing washed away, mm-hmm. which speaks to me about just beginning something new when something else is washed away or taken away. And I love that now we have the Sabian symbol for 17 Libra, which is a retired sea captain here. That sea captain has presumably seen a few things or overcome some obstacles, don't you think? Exactly, exactly so. And that's why I love it for the last quarter moon. It really encompasses the spirit of the last quarter is he's been places, he's seen things, he's sitting there, he's... Or she, telling his or her, or their, (laughs) telling their story. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's very close to the moon in your birth chart. That's right. Isn't it? Yes. And how did this fit in with your lunar phase? Without getting too much in the weeds on this, it's just a point in my life when I was sort of ready to take something new on because it had been a difficult few years. Mm -hmm. And so this really spoke to me Mm -hmm. and it was on my moon. I don't know how that relates, you know. Well, eventually it seemed to bring you into my orb. Yes, I would say so. And us working together (laughs) in astrology. So I think that's a good thing. You have the moon in the 11th house and a new moon person and Uh yeah. Now you're looking back over this journey and trajectory that we have been on together and thinking about it. Yeah. And Venus in Sagittarius would be the ruler of this, which you mentioned last week would speak to something about freedom and traveling more lightly on your path. Mm -hmm. I like that connected to this lunar phase family as well, because both of these symbols kind of speak to me of bringing in the new. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. Whether you're a retiring sea captain or whether it is a boat landing washed away. Right. He's retired. He's not dead. Or she. He's got a little. <laughs> or she. <laughs> Go with me here. Or they. <laughs> back, in, back in 1925, when these were intuited, it was almost certainly a man. I'm sorry. It probably was back in it 1925. It probably was. Yeah. Who knows? So the chart for this last quarter moon has, of course, the moon square sun, but also Pluto and Mercury. So we still have a little clot of Capricorn planets together, the sun, Pluto, and Mercury. And the moon is squaring those, and it is also opposing Mars, a very energetic last quarter moon. You know, a square to me creates energy. It's like when you're starting a fire and you have to create friction by rubbing a stick together or whatever you're doing. And that friction is what then leads to the combustion and makes the fire and, and really drives the thing. So although I'm not going to say this is going to be an easy week, with the last quarter moon, with these many difficult aspects. It is one, at least, that we can hopefully see some action. It's actually a really good phase for starting the year to say, we have been here and we want to go there, and, and now we have the energy to do it. And I think it's fair to say that sometimes when we have these squares, at the time it seems very difficult, but afterwards, something bigger comes out of it. Yeah, it's exactly like if you do a strenuous workout. You know, you go to the gym and you work really hard and it feels exhausting or running a marathon, same kind of thing. You're like, I'm going to die. I'm really going to die doing this. And afterwards you go, oh, I feel really good because I did that. Yeah. After we really test ourselves, after we go to the limit of our endurance and our strength, afterwards we feel stronger and we feel confident and good about ourselves. That's what I like about this last quarter moon. It has that potential. There is the Mars just getting ready to change sign into Taurus, which we'll talk about more in a minute. But it is here at that 29th degree, and it's the wrapping up. This last quarter says we're not just wrapping up 30 days. We are also wrapping up this long Mars cycle that began at the end of June. And this is the last quarter bringing that home. And hooray. I think we'll all be happy to see the end of Mars and Aries. <laughs> well, let's talk about that, shall we? Oh, let's. Yes, indeed. Yes, because it's actually on the same day. It's like an hour. No, it's 13 hours later. Later that day. Later that day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> on January 6th at 2.27 p.m. Pacific, Mars enters the sign of Taurus. Yay! And there was much rejoicing. Yay! And there was much rejoicing because Mars has been in Aries, as I said, since June 27th. It was retrograde in that sign between September 9th and November 14th. And it's very hard to remember a time when Mars was not in Aries. The pre-Mars and Aries times are hard to remember, pal. It's You're hard right. to remember the pre-Pluto and Capricorn times as well. Mm -hmm. It just goes on and on. So Mars will be in Taurus through March 3rd, here, 4th, depending on where you live. And once again, sort of like when Mars was retrograde, Mars and Taurus slows down. It's just a slower moving sign, and that can be frustrating. But it's also stabilizing. And so this is going to be a good time to get traction on new projects. I think when Mars was in Aries, we vacillated between being really energetically focused towards initiating some particular new things. But it was one step forward, two steps back because of Mars's difficult aspects to the Capricorn planets and going retrograde and all of that. We kept getting slowed down and couldn't really get momentum. 
I think Mars and Taurus is less about momentum, but it's much more about getting the traction, really getting dug in and starting to slowly begin to build the things that we imagined while Mars has been in Aries. So that doesn't sound so bad, does it? It doesn't. I like the way you put all of that. Yeah. Because technically Mars is in his detriment in Taurus, right? Mm, Yes. Because it rules Scorpio, so therefore the opposite sign Taurus is when it would be in its detriment. You got it. So it has to work harder. Yeah. It's not a weak Mars sign, however. If you've ever known somebody with Mars in Taurus, Mars does make itself known, but Mars in Taurus has a very long fuse. And when it gets to the end of that fuse, it's scary. It's a charging bowl. It doesn't mess around. So, you you know, you don't want to push it too far. But it is measured. Its pace is very measured. And we can go the distance with things. As Mars goes through Taurus, it's going to be making good aspects to eventually Pluto in Capricorn. And it'll have some assistance from Neptune and Pisces, which is sort of complementary to it. And I think it's going to be sort of a nice little break from that Mars and Aries. Although it will meet up with Uranus at some point. We're not talking about that quite yet, Jen. Okay. <laughs> I'd prefer to live in denial about that for a while longer. Let's just be in the moment like all of the meditation teachers tell us yes. to just be present. I think of that one with Mars Uranus. We'll talk about it more, of course, when that time comes. But I'm picturing a cow out in the middle of a beautiful pasture and suddenly a rain comes and there's a little bit of lightning off in the distance. Mm. And maybe maybe old bossy gets a little bit skittish. Uh-huh. It gets a little bit jittery because of that. Of course, I'm a fan of Uranus. I think it's great because it wakes us up. And that's something Taurus can probably benefit from. I don't know. Well, Uranus has been in Taurus. I don't think any of us have been enjoying it that much. It's a difficult combination of symbols. Right. They represent different things, very different things. Yeah. We'll see what it's like when Mars gets there. But mm-hmm. you're, you're right to point it out. I was living in a in a reverie. I'll come back to the moment with you. In a hopeless dream. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, look, it is true. There will be this meetup with Uranus, but there will also be very lovely moments. Yeah, because it keeps us from getting too complacent, too stuck, because Mars can get a little bit stuck in Taurus. So Uranus will sort of give the truck a shove out of the mud and get us moving again. So that's Mars and Taurus. Woohoo. And speaking of planets entering other signs, Venus is entering Capricorn this week, January 8th at 7.41 a.m. Pacific time. What can you tell us about this, pal? On the face of it, Venus and Capricorn wouldn't seem to have too much in common. It doesn't have any particular dignity in Capricorn. It's not super strong there. It's not super weak there. It has its own characteristics. I was writing a column about this and writing about my sister who has Venus and Capricorn. And she has always loved blueprints (laughs) of houses. Uh And that really speaks to me of Venus in Capricorn that loves the bare bones of things and the elegance of functional forms. Totally. You can go to her house to this day and you you go to the bathroom and there's always a little bit of reading material in a bathroom. And she's got this little book of blueprints stuffed in there with things. She really, really loves that. She can envision what something's going to be. You know, that's a really helpful symbol for this. Yeah. Utterly foreign to me with my Venus and cancer. I mean, I don't get that at all. Like I'm all about the nice cushions and the really soft, pretty little chintz things and whatever and the furniture and whatnot. But no, she really um, appreciates 
the actual structure of things. Yeah, and the simple elegance of it. Yeah. You know, my rule of thumb with Venus always is it's designed to love something. You know, there's always somebody designed to love everything. And Venus and Capricorn people are designed to love things that may seem just very utilitarian to the rest of us. Machinery and blueprints and structures and equipment. And I've often wondered when I walk into a place where real work happens, let's say I'm riding on the train to Los Angeles and you go behind the main drags, you know, you're kind of seeing the backs of houses. Eventually you start to see all of these like lumber yards and places where people are creating things of metal. (laughs) I'm I'm not finding good language for it because it's so alien to me. Green elevators and things like that. Right. And I'm going, I don't know. How do people work in this all day? Little industrial? Industrial is just the word I wanted. Okay. And it feels so uninviting. And yet there are people who will love that environment. Uh Venus and Capricorn, you know, they love it because things are happening there. Things are being built. That makes sense. Now, the other thing that I can say about my dear sister with Venus and Capricorn is she has worked in banking, which strikes me as a fairly Venus and Capricorn industry. Very much so, yes. And she also does bookkeeping now. She's a part-time bookkeeper. And both of those, you know, Capricorn likes to put things in order. She's always been able to balance things to the penny with that Venus and Capricorn. Yeah, okay. I would think while Venus is in Capricorn for all of us, which is for the next few weeks, It's a good time to get clear about our financial objectives for the year. The beginning of the year is always a good time to do that. Mm -hmm. Start the year with balanced bank accounts. Start gathering your receipts, you know, going towards tax time. And have a number in mind for the end of the year. What is it that you hope to be bringing in? What are the big expenses you might possibly have going out? Is Venus and Capricorn good to pare down? Yes. Mm. It's not a bad idea. Yes, with a question mark. Well, now I look at it like this. So there's a kind of person that needs a pair of shoes, and they go and they find the least expensive pair of shoes they can find. And that pair of shoes might last for a couple of years. Then there's the kind of person who will go out and get really the very best quality shoe they can because they know that shoe's going to last 10 years or more. It's cost per wear. That is Venus and Capricorn. (laughs) Okay. Venus and Capricorn will pay for quality because they know in the long run it's a better investment. We can't just say it's about paring down. Yeah, because it's about going the distance as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's best value for your dollar. Now, Venus will make a trine to Mars because, you know, Mars is newly into Taurus at that point on January 9th, 7.53 a.m. Pacific time. Just at one degree there of Capricorn and Taurus. Yeah, one degree, 15 minutes. That's always nice, isn't it? Venus trying Mars. There are, you know, a few moments each year which are just gangbusters for romance. And in particular, you know, what I say with Venus trying Mars in Earth signs, Venus and Capricorn, Mars and Taurus, is it's a fertile time for romance, for relationships that have that physical component. Because the earth signs are real sexy, you know, they're really physically oriented. If they're not connecting in a relationship, a romantic relationship on that level, they're not going to be satisfied. It's not really working for them. It's a good time, too, for just enjoying physical beauty. 
back in the before times, we might have talked about going to a museum or, you know, a botanical gardens. Pre-2020. Yeah, pre-2020. Just to give you a metaphor, if you were doing gardening, it would be more about dealing with the hardscaping. It would be about rebuilding little walls and doing some pavement and making, you know, walkways. Or building a snow fort. Yeah, snow fort. Yeah. Awesome. We were watching a show this morning where this woman's renovating this farmhouse in Kentucky. And she walked outside and there were icicles on the edge of the barn. And I was so nostalgic. It just took me back. Yeah. Do you get big icicles like that on your house? Oh, my gosh. Yes. On the garage, especially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We sure do. We used to love it when we were kids. We'd go out and we'd crack them off and you'd walk around, you know, licking them and things and getting your tongue stuck to them. That's what kids do. It was a good time to be in the country. Yeah. Being a young kid there was great. When you move to Minneapolis, April, you'll be able to experience icicles on your garage and house again. Perhaps, except I'll be keeping my summer home in Southern California. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) My winter home, my winter home here. So Venus and Capricorn, Venus trine Mars, a nice shift to an earthier, tactile, being in physical luxury. I think with that Mars and Taurus too. Yeah, nice. Sounds nice for this week. All right. Well, we're going to wrap up the week with Mercury entering Aquarius. This really is a big week for planets changing sign. Yeah, it really is. And three of the planets are personal planets. Mm-hmm. Will you say what a personal planet is for folks, April? Well, the personal planets, I mean, as far as I know, we call them that because there are planets that move very slowly, Jupiter through Pluto. And if you're born on a particular day, the people born within a few months either side of your birthday are going to have those planets in roughly the same place you have them because they don't move very fast. The outer planets, you mean? Yeah, the outer planets. Jupiter, somewhat less so, but certainly Saturn through Pluto. You're probably going to share those placements in common. But the inner planets, Sun through Mars, move pretty quickly. Those planets in your chart are a little more personal to you. Someone would have to be born within a few days either side of you to have those in common. Does that make sense? It sure does, because they move faster. Yeah, Yeah, they move faster, but it's a little bit of a misleading term because we have this tendency to think of the the slow-moving outer planets as merely generational and not personal to us. That isn't true. Pluto in your chart is every bit as personal to you as Venus, because it's your Pluto. It's in your chart. And you may share it in common with lots of people around you, but it's still in your birth chart. In a specific house. Making aspects to particular planets, possibly personal planets. So that is what we will say about personal planets. Okay. Mercury, we would certainly consider a personal planet. It moves pretty darn fast. And as we see in this podcast, it's constantly doing something. It's always changing signs or aspecting two or three things in a week. And that's what it's doing this week. So Mercury going into Aquarius happens on January 8th, 3.59 a.m. Pacific time. And Mercury is again, we'll say the planet of communication, and it is that. But I like to think of it as also a planet that perceives and processes information as well as communicating it. So Mercury going into Aquarius, which is a Saturn ruled sign, has some stick to to it. It is a fixed sign and Mercury going from Capricorn 
where it just wants to make its plans and initiate new things because it's a cardinal sign. It goes into Aquarius, and now it's time to really build the infrastructure to get those ideas and plans off the ground. So again, it's a nice placement for Mercury in this week that we have the last quarter moon, and our energy is oriented around movement and action. Mercury in Aquarius is also, again, about planning for the future, thinking about where we want to be, making the five-year plan, even making the one-year plan. And we're still not necessarily in a place where it's easy to make too many plans. But I think we've adjusted pretty well to the indeterminate nature of things. We don't know how long the pandemic goes. We don't know in any given week here in California if we're going to be locked down or not. So it's learning to deal with all of that. But Mercury in Aquarius has perhaps a little more faith to it and says, well, this can't last forever. Five years from now, I plan to be doing this. So if we find ourselves in places where it's frustrating that we can't make plans, maybe the future is a really good place to protect ourselves because it's a little easier to be optimistic about it and also to indulge in larger plans. That is so true. That we're able to right now. Mm -hmm. I was just talking to someone Mm -hmm. over the weekend, a young man, and he was saying that he's had some difficult times this past year, but he has a couple of things to look forward to now coming up, and he just was talking about how important it is to have things to look forward to. Wow, I'm really glad you said that, and that's such a good concept for Aquarius. The looking forward to things, that's something that's been real hard in the last year for him, for a lot of people. You always have at least some event off in the future, you know, a trip, a wedding, a get-together with family or friends. There's always something to look forward to. And we have kind of not had a lot of that this year. Yeah. So I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that he has been able to focus in on something off into the distance. Yeah, it's really nice for him, and it's nice for everyone to think about this year. What can we look forward to for our own selves, too, and be able to do that safely, and Mm -hmm. considering where things are today still? Yeah. Well, Mercury squares Mars that same day, 6.44 p.m. Pacific time. Mercury's on the Sabian symbol, the big one that Jupiter and Saturn met at on the solstice. One degree Aquarius, an old Adobe mission is the Sabian symbol for that. And the Sabian symbol for Mars is a clear mountain stream. Hmm, I like that. Doesn't that sound nice? It does sound nice. Mm-hmm. Mercury at this first degree of Aquarius is filled with new ideas, a new mission, perhaps. Thinking of the old Adobe missions here in California. And that new sense of energy and purpose that's been emerging since the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction on the day of the solstice. The friction of the square comes in because Mars will be just starting to settle into Taurus, which is a little more easygoing of a groove. Maybe this talks about pausing for a moment, this Mars and Taurus at the, you know, this clear mountain stream imagery of the Sabian symbol before moving on to the next mission, the next sense of purpose, next thing we're going towards. And maybe it comes with a little bit of a warning, because I remember you talking about at one point, and I think this was when Saturn first went into Aquarius, perhaps, and I'll link this episode in the show notes. But the missions were, of course, terrible for Native American folks. Mm -hmm. And maybe this comes with a little bit of a warning, too, to make sure that the mission that you have might be well-intentioned, but just be a little careful. Is it as good for others as you think it is good for yourself? 
That's a good reminder and very much in keeping with we were talking about, I think, in our last episode, or maybe it was in the solstice episode we did, about all of these planets that are going to be moving through Aquarius. Right. And it always does sort of have that little connotation to it is we're building a society. It no longer is about personal ambition, which is more Capricorn. Now it's about how are we going to share in community together and what are we going to build together? But Mars in Taurus is not necessarily thinking that way. It's more locally focused, you know, the head down on its own work and slowly, you know, step by step doing what it wants to do. Methodical, yeah. We'll see. I mean, on a really day-to-day level, Mercury square Mars can also mean losing your temper behind the wheel of the car or getting in arguments with people or taking the bait on the internet if somebody starts to, you know, have an argument with you or something. So just know on the 8th, It's easy to be triggered. Hot-headed. Yes, that's the Aquarius part. Uh Fortunately, again, Mars is in Taurus, which is not as reactive, unless it's something that has been building for a while. And that's a day that sometimes that bull can get to the end of its fuse. Just be a little cautious. It's good advice, pal. Yes. Well, also on January 9th, we have Mercury in a conjunction with Saturn, 7.17 p.m. Pacific. And they're both in Aquarius, of course. Of course, because that's where it's all happening these days, at two degrees and 40 minutes of Aquarius. And oh, I do like the Sabian symbol for three Aquarius, a deserter from the Navy. (laughs) I just sort of root for this little deserter. I think, oh, good for you. Shout out to my nephew in the Navy, though. Big hug to him. There you go. But I like it. You know, as I said, Mercury in Aquarius filled with these new ideas and this new mission. And I like Mercury in a conjunction with Saturn because it's the antithesis actually of the Sabian symbol, which is the deserter. Because Mercury conjunct Saturn will tackle things that are tedious and really stick with them, get organized, do that kind of thing. So I'm not sure exactly how we should interpret the Sabian symbol in light of all that. Yeah, it's interesting. Mercury with Saturn. Maybe it's the feeling of wanting to cut bait, you know, and kind of cut out and move on to something else. But maybe there's the tenacity there of Mercury with Saturn. This makes me think of last week. We were talking about Venus conjunct the south node. And what do you want to let go of? And so here comes the deserter and the Navy symbol. There you go. (laughs) We're all wanting to run away from something, it would seem. I guess, what do you want to bring into the new year, huh? Maybe that's it. Well, yeah. And what is worth putting all your energy behind? Because you can't stick with everything. Yeah, that's true. If you stick with everything, you never go on to anything new. Uh-huh. And this speaks of possibly having to let go of some things that you went into with the best of intentions, but that have clearly proven to not be quite right for you. Because unless you let go of those, you can't get focused in Mercury, Saturn on the things that are right for you that you have a lot to bring to. Of course, Mercury will soon meet Jupiter, I'm guessing a couple of days after that, mm-hmm. because any time now that something starts moving through Aquarius, and we will be seeing this over the next month or six weeks, yeah. the planet will meet up with Saturn, will meet up with Jupiter, will also square that Mars and Taurus, mm-hmm. Uranus and Taurus, Yeah, you know. It gets off to a little bit of a fractious start yeah. every time a planet goes into Aquarius, but further on down the road. Clear sailing further on down the road. Yeah, yeah. So that is where we are at this week. I like Mercury Saturn, especially if you're working on a project that involves brain power, writing, organization, 
this kind of thing. It's a really good aspect for that. Thinking about the future. Yeah. And then starting to make it a reality. Nice. What do you think? I think that's fantastic. You know, I mean. <laughs> it's as good as it's going to get this week. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it's what we're working with. So let's work with it. Let's work with what we have. That's a big week. I like it. It's a fun week to have lots of things changing sign because when planets change sign, our focus changes as well. And our way of operating in the world gets a little freshening up. Yeah. And I like that. Looks like a fun week. Great. Well, my good friend, that is everything on our show sheet. Have we done it? We've sprayed our air freshener and freshened things up in here. So, yes, we've done it. Let's close the door on this one. What an evocative way of putting that. You just said freshen up, and that's what it made me think of. I'm just feeling fresher already. Well, that is it. That is episode 63 and our first full episode of 2021. Woohoo! Woohoo! Woohoo, indeed. Well, thanks to all of you for listening to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast. Leave us a rating or a review, and we hope that you'll help us spread the word. Tell a friend about the podcast. You can read show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments about each episode at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. We're so grateful to everyone who showed support during our podathon. Of course, each week we will be thanking one or two of you by name. Who do we have this week, pal? This week, we want to give a Big Sky Astrology podcast shout out to Elizabeth Schultz and Bobby Galleon. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Elizabeth and Bobby, we appreciate you both and we thank you so much for listening to the podcast and supporting us during our recent Podathon. And unless I'm mistaken, Jen, yes. both of these listeners hail from very chilly climes, okay. not terribly far from yourself. So let us send them not only thanks, but warm wishes as well. As it is snowing here in, the, in Minneapolis right now. Yes. So sure, warm wishes totally. Absolutely. And if you're a listener who didn't get a chance to support us during our podathon, you can always make a donation at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. If you donate $5 or more, you will gain access to our special episodes for the equinoxes and solstices, and it's not too late to receive the solstice episode that we released just a couple of weeks ago. Yep, I will send it right out to you. Well, that is it for us this week. Join us again bright and early next Monday. And until then, keep your feet on the ground and your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.